from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast. My name is Alyssa Carroll, and with this podcast, we are going through the lives of serial killers to see if we might catch a glimpse of why they displayed their famous, vile, and disturbing behaviors. Special thanks to my patrons as always. Aaron, Katoris, Catherine, Sam, Freddie, Linda, Janice, Hammer, Katarina, Florence, Teresa, Sarah, Sophie, Nanette, my two Emmas, Emily, Galen, Cassandra, Bree, David, John, and my girl Judy. Thank you guys so, so much. I truly appreciate you. So today's podcast is going to be on Francis Aum. My pronunciation of his last name should be the first hint that while I did take a year of French in high school, I am probably going to butcher many names and the names of places in this podcast. So I tried very hard to make sure that I looked up exactly how to pronounce these, but I did my best. That's the best I can do. Francis was born on February 25th, 1959 in Metz, France. So let's get into some history for that time. Now, 1959 was the year of the, quote, kitchen debate, which included the then Vice President Richard Nixon and Soviet Union's premier Nikita Khrushchev and their debate over the pros of capitalism versus communism. The debate occurred in a model of a modern kitchen of all things, which happened to be a display for the American National Exhibition, and the entire debate was filmed by the American press and aired in both nations. Also this year, NASA launched the Pioneer 4 spacecraft, which was the first American spacecraft to exit the orbit of Earth. The Soviet Union had already successfully done this months before. Pioneer 4 traveled within 37,000 miles of the moon and had sensors on board that would allow it to transmit photos of the moon's surface. The Antarctic Treaty was signed in Washington this year. It was signed by 12 countries who had been active in that region during the previous year. These countries were the U.S., the U.K., the Soviet Union, Norway, Japan, New Zealand, South Africa, Belgium, France, Argentina, Chile, and Australia. This treaty was to ensure peaceful use of the uninhabited continent for scientific purposes and global cooperation. It has since been expanded to a total of 53 countries. The UK was kind enough to grant Cyprus its independence this year. The popular TV series, The Twilight Zone, premiered this year. 
it still ranks as one of the most unique and best written TV shows in TV history and consisted of sci-fi and supernatural mysteries and used a lot of then unknown actors that are very well known today, such as Dennis Hopper, Robert Redford, and William Shatner. Hawaii this year officially became the 50th state for the U.S., but at the same time, the Dalai Lama was forced to flee his area along with tens of thousands of Tibetans to India, and he still lives in exile today, unfortunately. A flood in Taiwan left 2,000 people dead. But on a brighter note, the official Barbie doll is officially launched. Xerox launched the first commercial copier, and the first pictures of Earth from space were taken by Explorer 6. So this was the atmosphere that Francis was born into. His father was Marcel Holm, and his mother was Nicole Houlian. Marcel was born in 1934 in Forbach, right on the border of Germany. He worked as an industrial electrician. Nicole was born in April of 1940 in Lorraine, France, that borders Belgium. Marcel and Nicole were married in August of 1958, and since Frances was born that next February, doing the math shows that she was already pregnant with Frances before the marriage. He was the only child until his sister Christine was born six years later. It is said that Nicole's family were none too pleased by Marcel and, quote, rejected him, sometimes mocking the bit of German accent that he had. But really, they could see pretty quickly that all that was particularly important to him was drowning himself in alcohol, chasing women, and losing money at horse races, and so on. It was said that Marcel regularly beat Nicole and Francis was not spared either. Aside from the physical abuse, Marcel also belittled Francis constantly, calling him a bastard, telling him he was crazy, yelling at him that he was mentally defective and deformed, which we'll get into in a moment. But Nicole loved her son, and he absolutely adored her in return. She tried protecting him when she could, but there was little she could do. A cousin of Francis's later stated that he quite literally lived for his mother. Francis himself later said that during one particularly awful beating his father was inflicting upon his mother, he grabbed a weapon and he threatened his father with it. Marcel grabbed the weapon from him, took him down to the cellar, where he hung him from his hands and whipped him severely with a belt. Sources say that, actually, his father regularly took him down into the cellar where he would, roughly translated from French, bind Francis's hands together and then hang him from a hook because he didn't bring his father alcohol on command. It was also witnessed that, from a very young age, he had visible cuts on his arms, legs, and torso that he had been inflicting upon himself with little pieces of glass from a broken bottle. So his sister knew that she was doing this, and she asked him why and told him to stop. And he said, again, translated from French, quote, Instead of hurting anybody else, I prefer to hurt myself, 
end quote. At seven years old, Francis later stated that he had been sexually assaulted, but by whom I couldn't find. During his trial, he only said that it was, quote, the man who slept in the cabins, end quote. And I believe it was a neighbor of his grandparents. I'm not sure. Francis wasn't particularly successful at school either. He was enrolled in a school for developmentally delayed children, and he still had a hard time learning to read or write, though he eventually mastered it. All of this frustration led to, as a prepubescent boy, is him beginning to take stray cats or animals he found and burying them alive. Later in life, Francis would be diagnosed with Kleinfelter's syndrome, which is a genetic condition in which a boy is born with an extra X chromosome. So instead of the typical XY that men have, they are born with XXY. Now this isn't something that men inherit. Rather, it's a random genetic error after conception. Either the egg or the sperm just happens to be carrying the extra X chromosome. So according to WebMD, some men show symptoms of Kleinfelter's as children, but others don't know they have it until puberty or even adulthood. Many men never realize that they have it because symptoms aren't always present. Infant symptoms could include being more quiet than normal, slower to learn how to sit up, crawl, and walk, weaker muscles, and the testes not dropping into the scrotal sac. In children, they may have low energy levels, problems learning how to read, write, and do math. They have issues with shyness and low confidence and also have a harder time making friends or talking about their feelings. Now, once puberty kicks in and as teenagers, this is where it could potentially begin to show outward physical signs. Teen boys could grow larger breast tissue, have less facial hair and body hair, have less muscle tone, and have a harder time building muscle, longer arms and legs, wider hips, and a shorter torso, taller than usual for their family's average height, Having a small penis and testes or puberty simply never comes on or it hits quite late or it just never finishes. And then, once the boy grows into adulthood, he could possibly face infertility from lack of sperm, low sex drive, low testosterone, and erectile issues. So you can see why this might be an issue for men. Francis must have displayed some outward physical signs which added to his father's constant belittlement. Now it was said in all sources that Francis was very close with his little sister Christine who was really basically also his only friend. In fact, he was also very protective of her, shooing away older boys that looked at her perhaps a little too long. During one particularly violent night between their parents, Francis placed his hands over Christina's ears to help her not have to hear it. This is something a very loving big brother would do. But not everything was doom and gloom. He did enjoy swimming, and he played a game called pétanque, which is sort of like or similar to bowling, played outside with perhaps baseball or a bit smaller-sized metal balls. But above all, he really enjoyed riding a bicycle. 
So at 13 years old, he had his first, at least what he considered, romantic relationship with an 18-year-old girl named Patricia. Now, it's important to note that he was not able to perform, if you will. It was also during his teen years when he himself began drinking quite heavily. A neighbor that knew him as a child and teen stated that he became, quote, a little sassy, and she witnessed him removing the artificial flowers from graves in the local cemetery and would bring them to her, stating that they were for her daughters. She said he was mischievous, clumsy, and wanted to be coddled. She also said that as an early teen, she believed he, quote, had the mentality of a six to seven-year-old child, end quote, and she was aware that he self-harmed. At 16 years old, he became the apprentice of a baker, but that didn't last long, and he went to work on as a laborer for the public works company, being a bricklayer and some other odd jobs. He was already addicted to alcohol by this point. Sources say this is also when he began one of several attempts to end his life. And that's pretty much his childhood. So let's take a look. So as usual, bringing in the old debate of nature versus nurture, we do know that how a child is treated, disciplined, and shown affection can mold what is already naturally there in many different forms or directions. Marcel severely abused his son physically, emotionally, and mentally. Belittling a child can make them feel extremely lonely and they will withdraw into themselves and this is especially so for a child who already had a hard time making friends. They will also often lack confidence and self-assurance, struggle to control their own emotions, and act in ways that are inappropriate for their age. Marcel displayed some symptoms of narcissism or possibly worse, putting people down to make themselves feel superior. I think we all know one of those. The people closest to the narcissist are generally not even treated as human beings. Receiving love from a narcissist is entirely based on specific conditions. The lack of empathy is the cherry on top. We already know that alcoholism can run in families and is a negative coping mechanism, so it shouldn't come as a surprise that Francis drank to numb his pain. Children who watch one parent be physically violent to another obviously traumatize the children significantly. They will most likely display behavior problems such as aggression, lack of emotional control, and disobedience. They could suffer with social problems, trouble eating, bedwetting, nightmares, trouble sleeping, mood disorders such as depression and anxiety, have learning difficulties, low school attendance, and so on. And the torturous physical abuse he endured from his father was horrific. And then we add the Kleinfelter's syndrome. Now there was a study done in Denmark from 1978 to 2006, where they investigated the criminal pattern in men between the ages of 15 and 70 diagnosed with Kleinfelters. The results, in summation, concluded that, quote, the incidence of convictions was increased in men with KS compared to controls with significant increases in sexual abuse, 
burglary, arson, and others, but with a decreased risk of traffic and drug-related offenses, adjusting for socioeconomic variables such as education, fatherhood, retirement, etc. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. According to the U.S. National Library of Medicine, National Institutes of Health, they are at a special risk for developing antisocial behaviors. So I know you guys, and I know the very next question you're asking me is, who else has Kleinfelter syndrome that might be a serial killer or a very dangerous individual? Well, I found some. Though I want to strongly emphasize that not all men with Kleinfelter's or Jacob's syndrome, which is an XYY, are dangerous. But to name a few, Bobby Joe Long had Kleinfelter's syndrome. John Wayne Gacy didn't have the extra X, but he did have the extra Y. And so did Arthur Shawcross. So it comes as no real shock that he would grow up to have built up anger and violence that would spill from him onto others. So let's get back into the story. So when Francis was about 20 years old, he really developed a passion for cycling and he registered himself in a club for bicycle touring. And though he enjoyed this so very much, he was continuing to self-harm and sources say he was committed to a mental health facility for the first time in 1981. And for the next 11 years, he would be in and out of mental health or addiction rehab centers frequently. In 1982, when Francis was 23 years old, his mother found out that she had cancer. She fought it, but she eventually died from it in late 1984. The anguish he felt took him over completely. He had a very hard time accepting her death and even attempted to climb onto her coffin as they were lowering it into the ground. He was inconsolable and his heavy drinking intensified. After the death of their mother, the siblings continued to live in the home with their father whose alcoholism raged on and allegedly he stumbled into Christine's room who would have been 18 at the time and he assaulted her later claiming he had confused her with his late wife. After, sources say Marcel did all but abandon his family. They were then left with no food in the house or anything, and Francis would knock on neighbors' doors and ask for food for help. His sister said he even ate cat food. The tension built and built until one day, three weeks after his mother's death, he committed his first murder. He and an accomplice, Jose Mullins, kidnapped and murdered a baker's apprentice, 17-year-old Lionel Geniste. His naked body was found in a forest. It was determined that he had been strangled, his throat had been cut, and he had been sexually assaulted. Being that Francis was not able to perform, shall we say, Jose was the one who committed that act. 
A few months later, his sister Christine got married and left the home. Marcel also had married not too long after his wife's death, and they both permanently left the home. Now, Francis didn't have enough money to stay there, so he moved in with his grandmother in the village of Vaux. This village is near Montaigne-les-Metz. Two eight-year-old boys were horribly and horrifically murdered in that town. They were only half-dressed when they were found, and their heads had been crushed using stones. Now, there is some question as to whether or not Francis committed these crimes, but more on that later. In 1986, the now 27-year-old Francis, with yet another accomplice, kidnapped 26-year-old Annick Morris, who was on her way to work at a supermarket. Her remains were found several months later in an advanced state of decomposition, but it was clear that she had been strangled with her own scarf. She had also suffered head trauma. The same year, Francis would attempt to take his own life by jumping off of a railway bridge. Not long after Annick's murder, Francis decided to be basically a vagabond. He hitchhiked all throughout France or hopped a ride on trains that all ran all throughout France, most often illegally, you know, with no ticket. In June of 1988, Francis broke into the home of two elderly women, Georgette Manès and Ghislaine Ponsard, who actually caught him breaking in. Rather than fleeing the scene, he actually stabbed both of them. Since he had not had an accomplice, there clearly was no sexual assault. In April of 1989, after wandering clear down to the south of France, he, and some random accomplice, kidnapped nine-year-old Joris Viville from a campsite away from his family. They were vacationing there from Belgium. And they murdered him. He was found 17 days later in some brush about 12 miles away, having been strangled and stabbed multiple times with a screwdriver. We know he had an accomplice because the body had been moved in a vehicle and, well, Francis didn't know how to drive. Now, keep in mind that in between his murders, Francis was in and out of mental health institutions and rehab for his severe alcohol abuse and other physical ailments. And after he murdered little Joris, he suffered a mental breakdown that night checked himself into a mental hospital and confessed his crime to the hospital staff. But you know, because many of these kinds of patients in these types of facilities confess a great many things that they didn't actually do or didn't happen at all, he was not taken seriously and the police were not alerted. He was treated and released. The next month, May, 1989, Two people walking along the beach in Brest, France, which is in the opposite corner, the northwest corner of France, they happened upon the body of 44-year-old Aline Perez out in broad daylight. The police were called and an investigator, Jean-Francois Abral, was called to the scene. He found a witness that stated they had seen the woman very much alive and well on the beach telling them that she was going to be doing some sunbathing. 
Her body was literally found five minutes later. She had been stabbed from behind in the heart several times and then her throat cut, each wound being fatal. Now, there was a homeless community or what investigator Abril called squatters. They lived pretty close to where the woman had been murdered, so he went to question the inhabitants who predictably didn't really want to talk to him. Then another witness stated they had seen two very badly dressed and dirty looking men quite close to where Aline had been looking at her. Abril knew of a facility nearby that took in homeless people and gave them food and medical care, and he decided to visit. There, he was able to obtain a list of names that he then shared throughout other law enforcement agencies in France. A month and a half later, Abril received information back from another law enforcement agency stating that they had arrested an individual who was in his 30s and had been arrested while he was traveling on a train with no ticket. They stated that when they questioned him, his whole demeanor was, quote, off, strange, and he was speaking somewhat incoherently, obviously stressed. Abril was able to speak with Francis, who described to him his time spent in the French military, which, side note, I could not definitively find proof that he had ever been in it, but the investigator spoke as though it were true, so there's that. And Francis told him about how he had tried to end his own life several times and how easy it would be if he struck specific areas of the body, which actually matched the wounds of the latest victim. But then he was quite quick to profess his innocence, saying that he had been nearly 50 miles away from that particular beach that day in another facility, recuperating from an issue with his heart. Abril then contacted the hospital, who verified Francis had indeed been there, that his temperature had been recorded, and so on, but as he was getting this information, he could no longer legally hold Francis under custody and was, begrudgingly, forced to let him go, much to Abril's frustration. He felt truly that he had his man. But Francis went on his way while the investigator traveled to that hospital. There, he discovered that Francis very well could have left the room, had time to commit the murder, and be back before bed checks. The cleaning staff also stated that the day after the murders that they had found sand under Francis's bed. So Abril did the only thing he could do. He sent this information, his file, basically out to all other law enforcement agencies for them to keep a lookout for Francis. So he murdered Aline in May. In July, in the town of Reims, not too terribly far from his hometown area, Francis beat 30-year-old Sylvie Rossi to death. And then nothing for two years. I couldn't really find out exactly what he did for those two years. I have to assume he was in and out of hospitals as per protocol. But what we do know is that he resurfaced in Metz, his hometown, where he kidnapped a 14-year-old girl named Lawrence with the help of her own cousin that Francis had just met two hours prior at an area fair. He murdered her 
and her cousin sexually assaulted her. Now, around this time, in December of 91, a homeless man came forward to the police and confessed that he had seen Francis kill Aline on the beach that day, but he had been too terrified to report it. With this confession, investigator Abral finally had what he needed to formally arrest Francis, and the hunt began. The next month, Francis was in the very northern tip of France when he murdered an elderly man named Jean Remy, stabbing him to death because the man had spoken with him about having suicidal thoughts himself. Finally, on January 7, 1993, Abral was finally able to locate Francis and he arrested him. Interestingly, he nearly immediately confessed to multiple murders. Due to him having murdered in various places all over France, he had to travel to each of these cities for separate trials. He was ultimately found guilty of nine, though it is strongly believed there were many more. So then we are left with the question of the two eight-year-old murdered boys in Montigny-le-Messe. He was working only a quarter mile from where the boys had later been found at the time. It had also been noted that after the boys were killed, Francis had checked himself into yet another rehab hospital in that same area, which was a common theme among his victims and his whereabouts, his modus operandi, if you will. So during that particular trial, he repeatedly denied murdering those two boys. He would say that, yes, the other cities and the other victims he had murdered but not the two boys. Another man had already supposedly been wrongly convicted and had spent years in prison for those murders. But Francis was eventually found guilty of those gruesome murders. But again, he strongly appealed being found guilty. And it is important to note that the man that had been wrongfully convicted had actually been convicted twice before for the boys' murders. And some do believe Francis actually didn't kill those boys, but who's to know? I don't know. After this verdict, Christine, his sister, who had defended her brother passionately, unwaveringly, she even went as far as to claiming fault for not having just put him in her home and her care for him on top of her husband and her own family, finally let go and said then that she would not be having anything to do with him anymore. She stated that after being found guilty of murdering children, since she had children and he had spent time around them, she couldn't forgive him. She said, quote, I couldn't go see him because I had children. I couldn't leave them to go see my brother, end quote. But eventually she relented, and up until 2018 at least, she was still occasionally visiting him. And also during the trial, his father Marcel was called in to testify. They told him of the things his son had accused him of, and he stated that, well, it was all false. He said that he had actually been easy on his son. Marcel was already diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, so testimony was difficult. When asked how he felt about his father at this point, Francis actually said, quote, Now that he is old, I forgive him. End quote. 
So tell me guys, what do you think? Leave me a comment below if you're watching or you can DM me on Instagram at serial underscore killing. Please feel free to email me at serialkillinginstagram at gmail.com. And I'm also kind of giving a call out to anyone who might be interested in helping me develop some merch. Please email me if you are interested in showing me some of your samples. And as always, Thank you so, so much for listening because I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you chose me and I still really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Have a great day.